0: you are now acknowledging that you're entering into it's this own entity that is you and this partner aligning to create together. And that whatever dynamic you've had previously or preconceptions or preconceived notions about this person and your relationship, that those two things can kind of like detach in order to create something new as a unit. And maybe that's a reframe. That's the reframe. Welcome to the Artist Becoming podcast. Hey Jess.
1: Hey Shelby, a five, six, seven, eight. Join us in weekly conversations with performing artists across stages, studios, rings, fields, and screens.
0: Every conversation, a chance to dive deep into the story of their becoming. All right, Shelby, let's get on into it.
1: Hey Jess. Hey Shelby. We're back (laughs) (laughs) y'all.
0: We're back. We're We're back. back. We're back. Um, Five, six, seven, eight. We (laughs) are back for a small chat, big topic and any excuse to dive deep into the well with Shelby and all of you is one I am eager to take. We have missed holding these conversations and we've been writing little bullet points, holding on to topics that are resonating with us as we interview guests for the podcast, as we read books and listen to inspiring leaders. And we're we're just sort of excited to launch this, this new session. So today we are going to be talking about relationships with your partner. And, um, (laughs) you know, we are no stranger to loving a good dating metaphor, but this is um, really in regards to a conversation that we held for the podcast where we started to dive a little bit into that partnership dynamic that you have with either your scene partner, your ballet partner, your dance partner. It's a very complicated, specific type of intimacy that is... I don't think it's often that we really get to talk about the nuances of the challenges and the pleasure that exists within that type of very specific, potent relationship and how translatable that is to relationships at large and how little support there is in our industry for enhancing and um, informing those relationships. And, you know, that we, delight in this topic. So I'm going to pass the mic over to the one and only Shelby Ellsbury, just to ask, you know, what was your experience maybe with partners throughout your career as an artist? And on the flip side, from the position you sit in now as a woman um, and an artist, how has that hindsight reflected perhaps ways in which you could have shown up differently or
1: just just give it to me baby yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) all right one of my favorite topics partnership um so it's funny because I think back of some of my first my first partnering classes were um at sab and I loved partnering class I thought it was so much fun because I've so much of our art form, especially as ballet dancers, it's so singular, you know, you're in your own body in your own little universe, trying to figure things out for yourself and perfect yourself. And, um, it's nice to share the weight of that strive for perfection with someone else, like with another actual body that is actually holding you up if you're a a woman. And, um, or a girl, even in the school. Uh, I, everyone kind of did not appreciate that. I would always grab the tall, <laughs> the tallest guy <laughs> And being the shortest girl. I was not everybody's favorite. Um, but that being said, it was, um, it was really a wake up call to um, distribution of power and trust, major trust. I mean, people are actual like physical trust of someone's strength. If you're again, if you're a girl or a woman being held above someone's head or, um, turning on one leg and there's, you, you really have to relinquish because the tighter you gripped to your own ways about doing things, the harder it made the <sighs> circumstance, which is Metaphor. super meta, super meta metaphorical. Um, and so I look back now at those kind of rudimentary lessons of how to share trust, responsibility, physical weight, pressure. Um, and I look at how all of those little tiny little micro lessons turned into like much larger life lessons that I carried with myself or with my relationship experience outside of the studio. And then that grew, obviously you become, um, professional and you start dancing, uh, in core partnerships, or you know, soloist principal opportunities. You're sharing the stage with someone, and you're getting to share the audience with that person. And everything that you do is not now just for yourself; it's with someone. And the to me, whenever I was getting to dance with someone else, honestly, whether it was a, like a potida de with an with a male dancer or another girl, it felt more meaningful because I wasn't up there alone or I wasn't in a studio grinding alone. And um, that's something that I don't think I've actually voiced out loud to myself as something that I really did value in my experience over time. Uh, How, tell me about your experience with that. Early, early days of good old PDD.
0: (laughs) The PDD, I, it's so interesting. You mentioned those early day partnering classes. I remember that eager excitement of like, the first partnering classes and that first exercise where you're just being brought off your balance and having to understand just having to find trust within yourself and someone else and the bigger memory that comes up to me with like early exposure is um training at the san francisco ballet school and having access to the company dancers in that top floor where we would go up and stand in the doorway which I never squandered even a second of a, of a chance to go stand and and watch my favorite ballerinas, you know, from the door. But the memory I have most distinctly were not the healthy partnerships, but the ballerinas like retaliating or snapping or storming out the room or arguing with their partner. And I, I see these images really vividly in my mind, actually.
1: Like I the reactiveness, the
0: reactiveness. Yeah. and I think that, you know, something we've spoken about together and at large with, with leaders at many companies and schools is so much about conditioning and historic patterns and the inheritance of that. And I think that subconsciously as a young dancer, there was something kind of alluring about that type of reactiveness and how quickly it was kind of passed down onto us. Like we weren't taught if something doesn't feel good, pause and breathe together with your partner and discuss your needs and listen to the other's needs. We were subconsciously conditioned to kind of go, uh," you know, and, and, and Twitch and show that we were uncomfortable because we became, masters at nonverbal communication and however that's that type of reactive nonverbal that became kind of that i saw around me a lot and that i experienced in the partnerships where i felt less trust it just built further distrust with those partners and i i think that something i've been learning in my own experience of becoming of womanhood or personhood has just been in all partnerships, friendships, lovers, family, how uncomfortable it can be to voice your needs and to listen to someone else voice theirs. Yeah. And how intimate of an experience that is to understand someone's needs and to receive them and then to, to actively meet them. Pardon me. To actively meet them while still while still maintaining your own. And that's the dance. And I think that that's the dance of partnership. And it's something that we aren't taught in ballet school. And it's it's just, I don't know, I think it's it's a huge concept. And I when you're dancing those when you're experiencing that surrender that comes that ultimate surrender that you can feel inside of a pas de deux with a partner that you trust like just heart and soul merging with that person yeah um it it it's built it's it has to be built upon you know we see those great partnerships and they those were probably built upon Layers and layers of like nuanced understanding of needs, nonverbal and verbal. And I think we've reached a point in we've reached this collective point where we can't continue on not learning how to communicate, um, just even with intimacy and with consent. Like, there's just the rules aren't the same anymore. And so, yeah, that's kind yeah. of what I'm
1: marinating on, yeah. I love that. And I think that, you know, essentially dancers are experts at nonverbal communication, but yeah, expressing ourselves verbally is not something that, you know, you're practicing every single day at the bar. And so then you get to that point where you need to tell someone what you need and that can still be artfully communicated, you know, in a way where it'll be received more efficiently. Like there's a more efficient communication Opportunity there, you know, and but it takes practice and it takes humility and and cu- coming at it from a place of curiosity, you know, like this is what I think I need. Want to try that, you know? And I think that there's a lot of um, playfulness that generates trust, and it's not, you know, it's it's easy to be like this isn't working for me. Then that's not solving the problem, you know. Um, and I think about, you know, when it's interesting now when I go to see the ballet or any show um, where there's partnership, I get such a kick out of watching the other person's choreography because when I think back about like, I danced, I had no idea what the guy behind me was doing. I just knew that his hand was going to be here when it needed to be. And he was going to be helping me stay on my leg. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating to, Look at that from an audience's perspective, or you know, now that I, I can fully appreciate what's happening, 50% of this whole that I did not have to worry about because I trusted that it would be there, and that is something that I absolutely took for granted. Now that I look back on it, I've been reading Esther Perel's Meeting in Captivity, which I am just Really absorbing and and enjoying so much right now. And she talks a lot about the the paradoxes within partnership. And one of them is that, probably, the, the biggest challenge of institutions like marriage, for example, is that love needs connection, but desire requires distance. And I bring that up here because I think about the times where partnership that I've witnessed on stage or in studios feels so real, like it feels so believable. And it's those moments where like they swoop in for the catch or they come in and artfully save the turn where you didn't even realize that it wasn't supposed to be that way. And it's just so much is being said without being said. And that comes from time and investment and communication and risking the distance to create the anticipation of everything coming together to form those connections. And um, maybe I'm stretching the metaphor a little bit, but it's, I I think being removed from that experience now, I'm seeing it so differently in a way that I'm really coming to appreciate with, with fresh eyes. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, I, something that just kind of came to mind when you, first of all, I was going to say that I never knew how to articulate what I needed. And it's, it's kind of like, I remember when I was having, I I remember having, I mostly remember the partners that I just intrinsically connected with and felt the symbiotic nature of our partnership. And, but I also can recall times where it wasn't working and I was never able to, I was never able to articulate how I could contribute to the solution And I think that that's kind of like a relationship, you know, romantic relationships can be that same way. And I I was sitting recently with a, a dear friend who'd gone through a breakup who was describing the breakup and how, you know, she was trying to offer solutions to like, how can we solve this thing that's not working, but the partner wasn't meeting her there. And it was kind of like, if two people can't both articulate why something isn't working, it's sort of era, it's not resurrectable. And so I look back on those situations where I would go, well, I I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're supposed to do. And it's like, that's, you should know, you know what I mean? You can't, you can't expect someone else to hold the space for you entirely while still being uncomfortable. You have to be able to articulate what makes you uncomfortable. And, um, something that you just spoke to that sparked a curiosity in me was just that you know when casting happens like we don't typically get to choose who we're partnered with and you often get you often do early on get paired with someone and you build a rapport but and and I think that directors like to put you with people that they can feel, you know, a good you know, matching your energy. They're not asking for issues, you know, they yeah. want, they want people to, but sometimes for whatever reason, you're paired with someone you don't gel. And, and I just was thinking about how hard that is. Like, how do we, how does that, how do we solve that? Because that's, that's at like a human level. That's really challenging. You know, we don't enter into relationships, friendships, romantic relationships with people that we are adverse to, you know, and in a ballet company or in a Broadway show, your romantic on stage connection that you're supposed to be fulfilling um, might be someone you really are like repelled by, like on a personality level. And (laughs) how can you show up for that? And like, are you willing to, are you willing to kind of vulnerably meet that person with fresh eyes or are you going to reject it from the get-go? And I mean, that's a greater kind of like life lesson at time. But I just was thinking about how, I mean, that's, that is really hard. Like that's.
1: It's one thing to compartmentalize your emotions when you're only dealing with yourself and your body and your role and your choreography, but it becomes a whole nother dimension you know when it's sh- when it's shifting two two worlds into one and as you're saying this I thought did you see the Katy Perry documentary no little plug for that it came out a while ago <laughs> but in my mind I have this vision of she went on a world tour and like her marriage was falling apart and it was before this show and she's putting her makeup on and she's having a complete emotional breakdown like sobbing and the way that her show started was there's a trap door on the stage and she would be lifted like coming up from the underneath the stage and she's literally bawling walking backstage all to her little platform and then she just wipes her tears and like slaps on this smile and they just press go and it right and she does her show and it's we know we've done that ourselves. Like we, you have to suck it up. Life happens, you know, you might not gel with your partner or you're dealing with something personal and that's affecting how you're showing up, um, for your work. And this is, this is just life. It's, it's especially challenging when your work is putting yourself on public display, um, and having to emote, uh, and completely compartmentalize that it's, it's super challenging, but, I think what it just kind of comes back to again is like being able to communicate your needs. And even if that's just like communicating the headspace that you're in so that if energetically you feel off, this is why it's not necessarily, you know, the person that's doing this to you in in the moment. It's interesting. And things I never even, they never really even crossed my mind while we were.
0: And perhaps like, it's that level of detachment. That's quite, uncomfortable as an artist we want to feel so attached and so in so yeah. engulfed by what we are doing but when you enter into this partnership or this potida de it's not really about you anymore you yeah. know yeah. it's about the dynamic and it's being able to selflessly kind of not abandon yourself because in any partnership you should never abandon yourself but it's it's the I'm not sure I want to use the word compromise, but it's the acknowledgement that you're now, oh, maybe this is it. It's that you are now acknowledging that you're entering into, it's this own entity that is you and this partner aligning to create together. And that whatever dynamic you've had previously or preconceptions or preconceived notions about this person and your relationship, that those two things can kind of like, detach in order to create something new as a unit and maybe that's a reframe that's the reframe
1: yeah it's taking (sighs) just enough of of yourself out of it yes to make space for this new entity yes yeah what if that was part of our partnering class
0: You know, I think partnering classes actually need to start out with like a circle conversation about the values of partnership and trust and not this weird ass, pardon me, not this like thing where you're just standing on your point shoes getting wobbled around. Like, that's not it. That's just not it, (laughs) y'all. Turns out that's not the foundation of partnership, but you know,
1: gotta start somewhere. Might as well be on two feet. Oh. I think we've done it. We gone done it. Miss this.
0: We gone did done it. Missed it. Missed y'all. Miss
1: Missed the musings. And um, yeah. We'll be back for more. Hope y'all are enjoying season two.
0: Want to connect further with our community at Artists Becoming? Rate and review this podcast and subscribe to stay on top of our weekly guest artist conversations and our small chats, big topics. Check out www.artistbecoming.com to learn more about our monthly subscription membership filled with on-demand guided meditation and yummy yoga practices to support your unique journey as a performing artist. Follow along on Instagram at artistbecoming for sneak peeks and inspiring content and DM us the dream artists, athletes, performers, psychologists that you'd love to hear from or topics you'd like for us to unpack. Sharing is caring, so fire up that group chat, share to your stories, comment, share, 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 and just stay connected with us. We are here for your becoming.